Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 205. What do you get when you're a lost magic scientist? I don't know. A magic labyrinth. <laughs> Thank you, Julius, for that stretch. Well done. I don't, yeah, I don't have anything better because I thought about making a, a, a joke about the movie Labyrinth, but I don't think there's any good ones. Yeah, I couldn't figure any good ones either. So that was the best <laughs> you're going to get today. Oh, well. Anyway, listeners, uh, sorry about that. But there you go. So you win some, you lose some. <laughs> so today, Albert, in case anyone didn't get the reference, we are going to be talking about Magic Maze. That's right. A, a neat little co-op game about going through a mall really fast. <laughs> it is weird that it's going through a mall really fast. But yeah, it really is. Let us talk about it in our usual method, starting with the components. Okay. Um, I no longer have this game. I gave it to Julius, so Julius is going to fill us in on the components. Uh, well, I think Albert probably remembers it, since I think Albert was the one who put all the stickers on it for me, quite kindly. No, I bought that game used. <laughs> oh, t- <laughs> yeah, it came pre-stickered. It came pre-stickered. Yes. Um, so, there is a specific set of tiles that are used for multiplayer, there's a specific set of tiles that are used for solo, and then there's the scenario tiles that are used for everyone, and the um, pawns that are used for the player pieces. Let me talk about all of these in more specific detail. The idea of the game, as Albert mentioned, is that you as a group are going to be using your specific action tiles to take actions, run around the maze, pick up your associated weapons, and then run to the exit. So Mm -hmm. the tiles are going to be laid out on the board, and each one of them depicts a series of rooms, essentially a four-by-four space, that slots into all of the other ones as you discover them. Mm-hmm. The tiles have generic graphic art on them, uh, bright, vivid colors for everything. You generally are going to be looking for the colors of the player pawns. There's red, purple, yellow, and green. And when you see something that matches that color on a tile, that means it works with that character. Um, hopefully you'll be able to figure out more for any of the more specific elements of what they do, but there is a basic graphic design on them. Mm -hmm. The tiles that you're using for actions in multiplayer. So essentially what you do have to do is you sort out all of them and it could be on the backside of a different tile. So some tiles have a one on one side and a two on the other. Excuse me, I guess not one, but some of them like a two on one side and a three on the other side. So you'll have to figure out for whatever player count you have, because it can go up to eight players, and select the right number of tiles for that number of players. Sometimes you'll have to flip over the tiles to find it. Mm-hmm. And this is where the game gets interesting. Why is that where the game gets interesting? Because. Because you're not like a normal game controlling the characters, you're just controlling a specific movement for the characters. True. Right? So you're you're, you're talking though about gameplay, and I think we'll discuss that more in gameplay though. I know, I know, but this is the exciting part about it. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway. 
But I wanted to comment on finding the action tiles because when you're having to find the right action tile for your player count, because they may be printed on the other side of a player tile, you may sometimes have to go through the deck of action tiles twice in order to be able to find it because you'll have to go through them, find the number, and then if you didn't find all the action tiles, you have to flip them over and go through it again. I, so if I remember right, it wasn't too bad. In terms of solo play, they're all the same size, and there's one size for the solo play game. And I think that was also true for two players. No, that's not true for two players. What you had done is you had just simply never played anything other than two players, so you just set aside everything else and just held on to the two-player ones. Mm-hmm. But the two-player ones still get mixed in the solo ones are a different tile shape so those ones are easy to find in comparison to the other ones but if you're playing in multiplayer um i do think it's a little bit annoying to try and find the right tiles unless you're doing eight in which case you take all of them but let's say you're playing four which was not an uncommon occurrence in my household y- y- unless you're specifically setting out four and just not ever taking out the other ones which is hard because if you play three that doesn't work so it it, <laughs> it is it what I get to with that. It did bother me. Even if it would have printed maybe on the flip side, like this number on this side, and then, hey, if you flip it over, you see the other side here. Like Even that would have made it a little bit better. But yeah. Now, to, to be fair, Julius is complaining about setting up the game because when you, once you're going, the tiles are in front of you and they don't move around really much, do they? That is true. No, they don't. It's only the setup that's the issue. I mean, they do technically move around, but it's not that you have to figure out which one's which. Because sometimes you'll you'll rotate tiles, but yes. Um, Then there are... So I mentioned the pawns. The pawns are just regular pawn shape. They are not shaped meeples. They are not minis. They are just pawn shapes. The game does come with a sheet of stickers that you can stick onto it so that it has an icon for the pawn shape. It is optional if you want to do that. And I'm not sure if it helps or hinders the theme of it. Because <laughs> I think it yeah. feels abstract no matter what it is that you I, do. I'm assuming they're there for, for colorblind players, right? So that if, if you have oh, an issue be. with the colors, you have the symbol. Because I do think that they were good about putting symbols throughout to make it consistent which was a nice touch could be but yeah otherwise the colors are so bright otherwise you know it stands out on its own (laughs) and then the last component is the do something pawn which is a larger pawn than all the others and the reason why you need a do something pawn is that is the official name of it it's if you're standing there and the one guy that you're playing with has to move before you could do anything. Because again, remember, you're not controlling the characters, you're controlling the direction they move. And if you, everybody really needs to go to the left, and the guy that controls that left action is just standing there doing nothing, you could take that move, do something pawn, and stick it in front of him and say, mm. you know, just look at him intensely because you're not allowed to talk in this game. <laughs> so this pawn stands in the place of being able to talk to your, your playmates. That's what that is. That's fair. (laughs) Uh, There are also some X-shaped little punch-outs, too, that are used to denote when you've used the refresh timer actions. Um, Put those in a box and put them somewhere is what we did. Rather than just making a pile of them. So, Albert, do you have any other comments about the components? I think you left out one component. The sand timer. 
The game that's brings true. a sand timer, yes. And that's kind of an important component in this game because it's what makes the game exciting. Because <laughs> it's a real-time game. That's right. This is a real-time game. Julius likes real-time games. Um, <laughs> I played... The, uh, I'll give you a spoiler. I played this game and decided I'm not a fan of real-time games and I pass it on to Julius. <laughs> and so, and yeah, so he's got the sand timer. Hold my comments timer. until the end on that. <laughs> oh, you're much, you're much better than I am. Okay. <laughs> So, so that that was all the components, right? We're mm-hmm. reading through this one. So, um, mm-hmm. do you have any comments on the components? Did you like or not like the components? I liked them. Um, I like all the bright colors. I like the the art on the tiles. It's bright and colorful, and it's goofy. Like like we said earlier, your your adventure is going through a shopping mall, and your goal is to get in, take stuff, and get out. And mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a dumb theme, but I, but I like it. And the art and the tiles does help with that a bit. It is a really dumb theme. Um, <laughs> the only comments that I had, I already commented about how I dislike the the tiles not being enough tiles for. Essentially, they they mm-hmm. made it a little bit yeah, cheaper tiles. by double printing on that. Um, I kind of also wish that the player pawns for this had been meeples or something more shaped than just the generic colored pawns. Um, when the theme is kind of as wacky as it is, I kind of would have liked it to have had some sort of pawn shape or something for it, just to, to bring the theme a little bit more. It's just, it's, it's pawns. <laughs> we, we didn't get that. <laughs> yeah. Well, can't have everything. Would have been nice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree. So let us move on to the theme since you've already started to mention it. The idea of this is that somehow a group of adventurers have been dropped into a magic maze without their weapons. Uh, and this maze is a, it's a mall somehow. It's an, it's a completely <laughs> empty mall with some sort of security or I'm not sure. And portals that teleport you throughout the mall. And <laughs> somehow exactly. security is going to arrest you and, and then instead of like being a bang, band of adventurers you're just going to go with security I mm-hmm. don't know so in other words this is the type of uh, D&D adventure you have when you have a brand new DM who's never played before and wants to make this really awesome adventure for everybody <laughs> and he comes up with some, something like this oh, it's going to be great I love it and you know it was creative yeah, yeah, we've gone through games like that before. I what actual D and D games like that before? D and D games where the DM was not really that good of a DM yet, and had this genius idea that you know was not really any good because <laughs> it was just too off the wall. One time, I took my friends through a. It was a published adventure. It was Alice in Wonderland. Uh huh. A D and D adventure going through uh, Wonderland and and whatnot, and they hated it. <laughs> So this this game is that kind of theme. It's just goofy fantasy. Just, Typical is that goofy fantasy. That you, is that a theme that you prefer when it's ridiculous like that? Is that something you prefer, or would you prefer a more classic theme? I don't mind goofy fantasy. That's fine. I don't. I don't. I won't necessarily search out for it. But you know, I thought it was an interesting looking game, so I didn't mind it in this in this case. <laughs> I mostly just ignored the ridiculousness of the ridiculousness that it's giving, but it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Look, I yeah, well, I enjoyed that it's a mall. I really did enjoy it in this case. It, you know, weird. it's 
Well, it's it's a kind of a goofy game, and and the theme just lends to that. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there you go. That's a theme. It's a it is a campaign game, right? So you're playing through and true. I mean, of course, I'm, yes. And it, and, and it let's talk about the rules time. as we're talking about the campaign aspect of it too. Okay. So because you're bringing up that it's a campaign, this is not like a legacy type campaign or something like that. I think this is more just that it wants to slowly introduce the rules to you because Mm -hmm. when the game starts out, it starts out with a much more simple version. Like one of the goals, the goal of the game is, as mentioned, you have to go steal back your specific thing and then get your specific exit. But even when you're playing with the first round of it, you don't have to go to your specific exit everyone just has to get to an exit and it doesn't matter. And then for the next time through, it introduces that you have to get to your specific exit. Then it introduces the idea that you have to pass the action tiles Then it introduces special abilities for everybody. So it keeps on slowly introducing all of the different things. And then it brings in some different scenarios that all, have different sort of issues and things with them. I don't think that the different scenarios necessarily build on one another. Like with a normal campaign, there's some sort of like leveling. There's something more, there's a carryover that you're getting. This is more just, and it's labeled as a set of scenarios, but there's no build from them. It's not that one builds on the other. Once you get through all the ones where it's introduced all the rules to you, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't, doesn't really change it doesn't right. it doesn't build on itself it's just a set of scenarios and you can play the really whatever order you want but yep. because the original seven scenarios slowly introduce all the rules to you if you're playing with a group that wants to learn the rules slowly then that's a perfectly good way to play the game mm-hmm. i think that this is a game that is theoretically important to learn the rules slowly because when you're playing the actual game, you're not allowed to talk at all. The only thing you're allowed to do is bang on the do nothing, do nothing <laughs> pawn or stare intently at the person. Yeah. So you can't explain the rules unless you're cheating, which I have no issues doing. Um, <laughs> but yeah. you can't talk. You can't explain the rules. You can't tell someone that something that they're doing wrong. And in fact, the rules specifically say that if someone is not following the rules, everyone else just has to go with it and only fix it using the correct rules. So if someone is constantly moving right when they shouldn't be moving right, and then the players who are only allowed to move left are the ones who are only allowed to move left. So if someone can't read their right from their left and thinks that they have a right, everyone (laughs) just stares at them until time's up and they yell at him, you can't tell your left from your right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's, It's a crazy game. It's chaotic, isn't it? This is, by the way, this is only an issue in the multiplayer game. A solo this game is, that doesn't come up as much. Yeah, I suppose unless <laughs> unless you're able to just pause time while you re- refresh yourselves on the rules, which again I have no issues doing. Yeah, same here. But I do same think here. that this is a good way to learn a complicated game with many different interacting rules. It's just slow. I think it's easier to learn a game all at once over the course of a single game. But this game is so short. It takes three minutes. It takes 10 minutes ish to play through a whole game of it. Um, which means that it is quick to play a game and continue on through it. It'll probably take you as long to learn a more full game than this one. So six, one half dozen of another. Yep. There you go. Okay. 
I believe that is all about the rules. Let us talk about the gameplay. Okay, so this game it is it's frantic and hectic, especially solo. I found it extremely frantic solo. Well, I think we haven't even told how to play the rules solo, so should we talk about how to play multiplayer first? Okay. So so this game, I mean, Julius has already described this game pretty much. Everybody has a set of tiles in front of him, and the tiles tell you what action you're allowed to take. The tile, for example, may say you can move the, the pawn up, or say north, or you can move the pawn left. The, the person you're playing with may be able to move it right or south. There's a couple other actions like um, take the escalator. Maybe one person could take the escalators. So your goal is to get, like Julia said, from the beginning to the goal and then out. When you start, there's only one tile visible. So you're exploring and doing this. You're moving to the edges of the tiles and then going from beyond there. So it is a simultaneous sort of thing. Anybody could take an action does. If I think we need to move the yellow pawn left and I have the yellow, the left action, I will go ahead and do that and then do whatever else I think I need to do elsewhere with the other pawns. While I wait for Julius and maybe to take the... Uh, that yellow pawn and move it in the next direction that it needs to go. That's basically how the game works. You keep doing that until you've explored enough of the dungeon or the, sorry, the mall that you find the, the four weapons that you need. Each character has its own unique weapon, which is basically a space of their color. And then all the pawns have to make it to the exit. Again, following the same rules of only moving in one direction at a time and working together to have it move. The it's a time game, so there's a timer. I think it was a pretty short time. It was like thirty it's a seconds. Three minute or timer. Three minutes. Okay. If the timer runs out, the game ends. Oh, that dog. <laughs> so yeah, if the timer runs out, the game ends immediately. But there is a way to extend the time. There's spaces that you could basically go on. The ones that have the little X's to flip over the timer at any point when a pawn lands on that, you immediately flip over the the timer, whatever it's at, and you keep playing. So yeah, so that is that is basically the game. Play until either you run out of time, in which case everybody loses, or play until everybody's got in the treasures and then escaped. In that case, everybody wins. To which there is much great, there is much cheering and happiness. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and follow with some. Why didn't you do that? Why didn't you do that yes, when indeed. you're supposed to? <laughs> much of that. So let's talk about our thoughts about the multiplayer game before we start talking about thoughts on the solo game. Okay, um, I will say I did not play this game a whole lot, first of all. I, I played it solo. I decided I didn't like it. I'm going to give it to Julius and let me play it multiplayer at least once or twice and decide what I, you know, at least to know what that's like so I could at least speak about it with some semblance of intelligence. And I pass it on. So I don't have a lot of experience with it. The, I found the multiplayer game, and I only played the first couple scenarios, I think, was fun. I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun working together and, and doing stuff and watching, waiting for my turn to take my action and go. I enjoyed it. It was not hectic and it was playable. I agree with you. For the multiplayer game, I enjoyed... Oh, excuse me. You're talking about solo game. No, no. I'm talking about the multiplayer game. Oh, I enjoyed the multiplayer, the multiplayer experience. No, I enjoyed two the player. multiplayer experience as well. I think, and we've played it two, three, and four player, which maxes out of our family and we've not had the ability to bring it into stores so um i've enjoyed the multiplayer game as mentioned there has been a little bit of cheating that i've used because the players that I'm playing with are not necessarily entirely 
able and capable to be able to do things. So we have no issues pausing the game in order to be able to explain stuff. The other Mm -hmm. issue we've had is that the timer is completely silent. So there have been many a time where we're playing for probably two minutes longer than we need to. We look at the thing. We're like, we're already way dead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I find that's an issue with any game with a timer, Mm -hmm. right? That pandemic rapid response. I don't know how many times that happened. (laughs) There was actually just a really nice Android app that got released today for pandemic rapid response. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. Um, but there are apps available for magic maze and I'm torn on whether to use them or whether not to use them because it's kind of funny when it's the only sound playing. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I have used them because I find it much more helpful to be able to have a distinct time. So not playing two minutes longer than we necessarily do. (laughs) Two minutes. Stop and clarify rules issues. And, I don't because I'm also playing with specifically younger kids. Sometimes they will stop and be like, I don't know what I should be doing. <laughs> so, <laughs> just entirely not in the spirit of it, but Hey, I understand. You got to make it work though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, I've very much been enjoying it. Multiplayer. I think that it is a fun, lighter game. Um, it's one of those ones that really, you know, gets the adrenaline moving, gets everyone, cooperating and helps build and create stories. So I think that in multiplayer, I've very much been enjoying it. Let's talk about the solo version of it though. When you're playing solo, so instead of having one action tile, instead you have a whole deck of seven action tiles and each action tile is one of the different actions. So one action is North, one action is South, East, West, teleport, steal, investigate. So the, the seven different things when you're playing, you'll make them all into a randomized stack and then using just one hand, so sit on the other one, using just one hand, you have to deal one on top of the other until you find the action for the one you want to take. You can then use that action as much as you want, as if it's your active action. Then when you're done with it, you have to continue dealing until you get to the next one. When you finish it, you put it back to the other side and continue dealing over and over again until you find the one that you want. Mm. So you're basically going through the deck over and over and over and over. Exactly. For me, this changed it from being a more cerebral type game where you're trying to figure out how to use the actions available to you to a game more of dexterity where you have to, as well as possible, get to the tile you want as fast as you can, identify that it's the tile that you want, use it, and then continue doing it. I am not a fan of timed dexterity games. (laughs) All the other ones, like the most dexterity that we have is roll the die. But the timing is to force decisions quickly. You have to think about what you're doing in the other one. So with rapid rescue, you have to think, how can I use my dice rolls that I've done to go and go around the board and do things? It's it's the short decision-making that I enjoy. This one, although there is some level of decision-making because you do have to immediately find what thing you want to do and go do it, they've thrown in this idea of dexterity that you have to use just one hand, continue endlessly to shuffle through this deck, and and continue on doing what it is that you're doing. Oh, God, mm-hmm. I yeah. hated it. 
Yes, I did not like. I tell you what, I did not bother with the just one hand thing. I I decided to go with the spirit of that rule, which is they don't want you to just go two handed and flip it super fast. They wanted to to take some time, otherwise it'd be too easy, right? Because the time limit selling would not be as big a threat. So I just hmm. made a point of not rushing through it, even if I'm using two hands. You know, and trying I, to be fair. Yeah, but but the, yeah, the one hand is just awkward. It's like you said, it's a dexterity game. It's too easy to mess up with. Hold it in one hand and pull the other one out. Even that's easier. Well, I just straight up ignored the whole thing about the dexterity element. I went and got a deck. A hand, I made the tiles into a hand. And mm-hmm. whenever you are want to use a tile, you pull one out of your hand, put it face down the table, use it as much times as you want. Then you must put it back in your hand and take another one out. But none of the dexterity issues of having to specifically sort and go through the deck and move it bit by bit cut out that whole thing entirely and just play the game with the thought process, with the decision-making aspects. And for me, that was an instant improvement. Now I do have the ability because I'm using a timer to lower the amount of time. The the Mm. designers do not have this ability. Well, I mean, there are solutions that they could have done for this. For example, normally when you're playing the game, you get as many tile flips as spots that you have. So the way I would have fixed this problem would be instead to limit the pool of flips that you have by giving you a certain number of those little X marks. When you run out of the X marks, you may no longer flip the sand timer. Even if you find more of the sand timer spots, you just can't do it. So, I mean, there are solutions they could have done that would have maintained the idea of being a real-time decision game as opposed to being a dexterity game. Because when I'm playing it with the rules as written, you know, I feel like this is a job where you have to shoot 30 basketball basketball goals. You have to shoot a basketball in the hoop as many times as you can in 30 seconds as opposed to making the decision of where you want to go. The dexterity just ruined it for me. Mm-hmm. Yep, I can see that. I, I personally, the the and the dexterity was annoying. What I did dislike more was I found that there was just way too much thinking now as a solitaire player for this game. For it being a time game, you basically had the same amount of time. But now I'm thinking not just you know three actions that I could do. I'm, I'm managing all eight or nine or however many there are, and that was just too much, too much to worry about. <laughs> oh. And for, for I actually found that easier personally, and that could just really? be because one of us enjoys. Uh, uh, real time mm-hmm. games but yes because for me when i'm playing with other people there's two steps i have to realize in order for the pawns to go where i want them to go i first need to figure out what they need to do and then which player can do it and then stare at that player here i only <laughs> have one step i figure out where the pawn needs to go and move it there and i don't usually try and sp- split my attention among multiple pawns so it's not like i will take out the move left and then move all the pawns that can move left as much as is possible. I would simply be like, I'm working on orange. I'm going to move orange around as much as possible. I need a left. I need a North. I need an up. I need an escalator. I need a this. All right. I've got orange as far as it can go. Let's go explore with somebody else. Let's go purple, purple doing all the purple things. And so, you know, that's, that's the works well for me. <laughs> mm, okay. But I yeah, think it's easier. Okay, that's funny because I definitely, I definitely found it challenging and frustrating. Decided I don't like these time games because of this experience. <laughs> this game, this game definitely 
burnt it for yeah. me. I feel like this is not this is not a game I would recommend for people who enjoy solo real time games. It's just mm-hmm. not. Now, now if you have the game because you like it to play with your family or with friends, it's not bad to pull out solo once or twice. I assume. I, no, because I would still I would not recommend playing it. Rules is written solo. Mm-hmm. Okay. Rules is written solo. I would not play it. That's 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 what I would do. Okay. Fair enough. Though multiplayer, I enjoyed it. If Correct. if I thought it was going to get played more, I would have kept it. <laughs> but the fact is, it just Correct. wasn't. Yeah, multiplayer I do enjoy. Multiplayer, it is a fun game to play multiplayer with the chaotic, hectic nature of everyone having fun and participating. At like another game that's similar is Five Minute Dungeons or Five Minute Mysteries. These are ones that are also a lot of fun for everyone to participate in. Without having that dexterity element, it's it's all cerebral. As soon as you keep, if you can keep it cerebral when you're playing solo, I enjoy much more. Which is why, if you have it and you want to play it solo. I strongly recommend do not play rules as written play with (laughs) my idea of just get a hand of cards and take one out at a time. Mm -hmm. There we go. Now there's expansions for this. Do you know anything about them? No, I don't. Okay. Yeah. Same here. Um, There's apparently a new expansion, I think coming out, it might be available. I'm not sure called hidden roles. I'm not sure how that would work, but I guess everybody's got a special role that they're playing that it's a secret. Right. That I'm sounds, not even. That going sounds interesting. Begin to comment <laughs> on things that I know nothing about. <laughs> the, the you know the concept sounds interesting. I have no idea. I don't know if it's available or not yet. It's not a standalone game. It requires Magic Maze. Oh man, it is. Yeah, I'm looking at Miniature Market. It's not in stock. So there you go. Um, Magic Maze. Yeah. So I think that. It, for a multiplayer game, in, in final summary, for a multiplayer game, I think it's a lot of fun. It's a nice cooperative element for a game. If you're playing solo, I do not think that this is a good example of the sorts of things you would enjoy in a solo game. I think that probably Proving Grounds still is, I think, the ideal real-time strategy game so far for me. Um and that I think is the, is the one I would recommend for someone who wants to experience what it really feels like to play a solo real-time strategy game. So, Okay. Yeah, I have not played that one still. I still really like, um, I still really like Escape, Curse of the Temple for, for time. And it's similar to Magic Maze and you're running around expanding the map as you play. That mm-hmm. I found a lot of fun, even solo. Mm-hmm. But this one, yeah, I, I agree. I just, I couldn't recommend it. All righty. Well, Hopefully everyone has enjoyed that. So uh, we will talk with you guys another night. Alrighty. In that case, bye. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.